Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the most important person at the table, the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the players at your table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And today we have a story time slash meet focusing all on the world of Panthea and the epilogue to the Dragon Wars campaign, Dale the Dragon, and all of all the characters that you've come to know and love from uh, the campaign that I've been DMing. So get ready for that. That's coming up in a little bit. But before we do, we have some five-star reviews from iTunes that we are going to show a little love to some of our fans. So the first one comes from R Blank. Interesting ideas and tips. Five stars. And R Blank writes, I am running a campaign and playing in a few, so I love seeing how other DMs do things and getting ideas and just listen to episode two. And I love... The idea of the snack challenge. I might implement that as a chance for characters to gain an additional inspiration to store or something of that effect for whoever wins the snack challenge that night. I love food. I think I think most <laughs> of us love food. That, I think that's why we kind of yes. did the snack challenge. Uh, I love food, so getting people to bring snacks and role play more is a win, win, win. So thank you very much, R. Blank. Go ahead and do the the snack challenge. It is yeah, phenomenal. I like the idea of giving them inspiration. That's I, well, fantastic. we've we've kind of like we haven't we've done had, the snack challenge. We were doing but inspiration basically before inspiration was a thing yeah, with yeah. hero points. But we but. haven't been like super consistent with the snack challenge lately, and yeah. it's like that might be a way that's worth getting people yeah, to do snack right? challenge again. <laughs> uh, so the next one comes from a dwarf named Grimark Stonehammer, and he writes, "Awesome job." After not DMing for many years, your podcasts are making my job easier. Cheers to you, and keep up the good work. So thank you, Grimark. We really appreciate that from the Stone Hammer Clan. And then we have, uh, I don't even know what kind of race this would be. Lothar <laughs> the Fellhanded. Maybe like an orc or something? Lothar, I don't know. Lothar sounds like good. Lothar orc, yeah. the Fellhanded. Great podcast. Uh, and, and Lothar, the fell-handed, writes, great advice for new and old DMs and lots of fun gaming stories. Thanks, Lothar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lothar. The next one comes from Somewhere Deep in the Woods. is entitled Making Long Distance Backpacking Easier. This one's pretty sweet. This you, is pretty cool. Yeah, cool yeah. one. Uh, so Somewhere Deep in the Woods writes, you guys, this podcast is seriously driving me crazy. I have 1,200 miles left to hike, and all I want to do is play D&D. Seriously? Come on, guys. But no, really, you're the best thing to listen to on the trail. Easy to keep up with the conversation, and that's usually hard for me. Have to concentrate on hiking, but with this podcast, I feel like I'm in the room, and sometimes I answer like I am as well. <laughs> Good job so far, and keep on listening. That's pretty awesome. I want more context. I want to know where he's hiking. Is it like, know. you know, is he uh, hiking for something? Is it just for fun? I kind of want to know it's, more. Yeah, that, that does sound really interesting. <laughs> and I'm wondering, you're in the middle of the woods, so... How are you getting Wi-Fi servers? Like, are you stopping <laughs> yeah. off at a Did town somewhere? Did he download somewhere, them or? all the time? I mean, he must have, like, 4G it, or something. Yeah, something like that. But <laughs> but yeah. thank you somewhere deep in the woods. Yeah, thank you uh, very hopefully much. Hopefully you're currently now, because it's being read much later, still not and somewhere still deep alive. in the woods. And still alive. Or, <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy. <laughs> or <laughs> you're somewhere deep in another woods. So oh. uh, thank you guys for all those reviews. And with that, we are going to head into the story time slash the meat dealing with Panthea. Story time. I'm starving. The time during the episode. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Where we talk about what happened last week 
during our campaigns. Why can't we have some meat? Our favorite moments. What we learned about ourselves. Just an asshole. And what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy Storytime. Looks like meat. Back on the menu, boys. This time we are talking all about the epilogue from my previous campaign that we got finished with a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be talking about stories from this last time that we met, things that your characters did for the epilogue, and things that your characters continued to do even after the epilogue, because we kind of set it up so that your characters would go on, some of you for a really long time because of some things that happened, and some of you for like 60 years and then you die. Uh, being normal and DM Mitch's character. Uh, so we are joined today by DM Mitch. Say hello. Hello. We are joined by Paladin Frank or Paladin Caleb or what? Caleb no, or just, whatever. Just Paladin Caleb. <laughs> just Paladin <laughs> Caleb. And we are joined by Brother Casey. Hello. Uh, hello. Who also joined us for this past Who's campaign. apparently a monk. Brother who's a, Casey. Who's apparently a monk. I don't even know how. How did we come up with that name? Do we know? Because he's your brother. Because he's my brother. <laughs> I think. No, it was from Geek Wars, and I was just like, yeah, I'm. Brother Casey. That's that's oh, more right. what I meant. Not like okay. not like oh he's my brother. Like, I get uh, that. I'm like where did it come up? Chronologically, at what point with what direct causation did we come up with this idea? Yes, <laughs> thank you, Caleb. Uh, so we're gonna jump in. We're gonna get started. I'm gonna give a little bit of an overview of our campaign, and then we'll get into the last. If you haven't heard any of the past story times, if this is the first time you're listening, I want to give you a little bit of an overview, and then we'll jump into what happened in the last night and the epilogue. And so basically, the first night that we ever played, uh, you guys, some of your characters, uh, were attacked by an unknown force. They, these kobolds came out of nowhere, kind of ransacked your city, and you guys had no idea what happened. So you guys started to go down this quest line, and you guys started to finally realize that, oh, there are dragons that are behind this. Uh, and you found this out. You, you found out that there was a, your arch nemesis for the whole campaign, Evanor, who was a black dragon who's kind of the one that was kind of your thorn in the side for many different reasons. You didn't see her very often, uh, but there was you could kind of see her claw print throughout <laughs> all of the... She was an unseen force <laughs> yeah, behind right. the curtain. Right, right. Uh, so you could see her handiwork and basically everything that was going on. Uh, you guys eventually came into some dragon spawn, which we'll talk about those a little bit uh, as we get going further into this episode. And uh, you guys got to this point where the dragons, you've known that dragons are not highly respected in this world anymore because of the terrible things that they've done in the past, even though there are good ones. Uh, even the good ones are not highly, or aren't looked upon very are highly. well thought of. Right, right. And so uh, at one point, the night before this, this last night that we played, Dale decided to spread his wings. He transformed out of human form, which is what dragons can do in, in my world. They transformed into his gold dragon form and was leading you guys and the motley crew of troops that you had back to where it all started, the city of Riveran, to have one last battle with Evanor and the dragon spawn that essentially if you didn't beat them here, they could just wreak havoc on the whole world because you guys were the strongest line of defense standing between them and complete world domination because they had a weapon that they could just mobilize even more people and create even more dragon spawn. We'll talk about that. Uh, so this night started out, you guys had to go in, you had to talk to the other cities on the way through the land of Mogaria, get them along your side, and I think you guys ended up with what, like 350 total troops, some were... 300 good. Spartans. Th- yeah. 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 If Tyler yeah. was here, he'd know yeah, no. how many <laughs> no were No wonder we won. No, they were not Spartans. Uh, there were some that were 
Spartans. <laughs> they were like the king's guard, like the the men, like manliest men you've ever manliest seen. Manliest men? Yes, manliest men <laughs> you've, you've ever man. you've ever witnessed in your life. Uh, you also had cord worshippers that are coming with you. Oh yeah. Uh, led so by we had, a couple, we had like thirty cord worshippers. You yep. knew we were gonna win yep. from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. And so you guys went through the city of Marston and it was like rabble. I mean you guys got like the peasants who have like pitchforks coming with you to try and do war and try and wage war against these dragon spawn. And you're just kinda like uh, maybe maybe we'll use them as a distraction. Like I don't I, I don't know what to do with these guys. Pretty much what they were. Uh, you guys went to the city of Florosa, which was the uh, the capital of this city, of this nation. You got like the King's Guard along with you. You got like some of the best knights in the whole region. Uh, and you got some more peasants who can be used for dragon bait, I guess. Uh, and then you guys went to the city of Northland where this was kind of like the resting place for you guys before you marched down south to the city of Riverrand. And something interesting happened, because Runin, Tyler's character, Tyler unfortunately is not joining us tonight, uh, but Runin, who's been with us for four or five nights, kind of like had a secret hobby and hope for the future uh, of his life. Uh, what what was that? Does anybody care to explain that? Um, he kind of had a militaristic side to him. Runin... Did for not me, get that from any... No. Yeah. For me, Rune is <laughs> just place. like this guy that just joined us because he was there. He had nothing like, better to yeah, do. Yeah, he had nothing better to do. And all of a sudden, like, we, we get to war and he's just like, all right, how many men do we got? What's the city look like? All right, you're going to be positioned here. You're going to be positioned here. I'll go over here. I'm just like... By far the most reliable or precise he's been about anything. Well, up until this look- point, he was a total troll the like, entire game. <laughs> he got yeah. a guy. To, he paid a guy to sell stolen goods. Yes. He yes. smoked Nogu, which he's is like the halfling troll. drug of choice. He got like a green, <laughs> green tailored suit, a walking staff that was a walking hat. cane, and a top for no hat. reason. For no reason, just didn't just- know what his character was, and all of a sudden it was like snap. I'm going into full-out military. Yeah, last yeah. night, I figured it out, guys. <laughs> I figured out my character, finally. Uh, and so Runin had this moment where it was just like, dude, do your thing. Like, you just <laughs> go for it. You plan this whole thing out. And Caleb, you did something interesting at this last night of camp before we went to battle. Do you mind explaining that a little bit? Because this was really interesting. Talking about the potions? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. No, we'll talk about that first. The potions. You created... What did you do with potions to help us out? Well, we had discovered pretty uh, several battles ago that really an, an effective defense against fighting these dragons was to um, get some energy resistance and some protection from energy down. Um, and since Ernie was a... Uh, um, alchemist. A, uh, an alchemist, exactly. Uh, we would... We would uh, um, I, I decided to... Before this big final battle with, with all these different dragons... Um, to make as many potions of protect energy and potions of energy resistance for different kinds of energy as I could. So ultimately we had one for everybody in our immediate group, so mm-hmm. um, for each kind of energy. Almost. We, had, we were just a little bit short of that. Yep. A couple of people didn't have one or two kinds of energy protection. Um, you had most of the melee fighters, I think, like the yeah, close yeah. quarters guys that had exactly. large amounts of yeah. resistance. Well, most, of the, most of the core group of us had... Had pretty much everything, and everyone had most everything. So yeah, so so yeah, so we made all these, uh, or I made all these potions, distributed them to the group, so that we would have a better chance against all these uh, dragons we were going to face. 
Because the dragon spawn are just black with red eyes, and you can't yeah. tell just from the looks of them yeah. what type of energy they're going to have. And Dale had done some scouting, and so we knew some at least of of what of the larger dragons we were going to be he facing. He almost died getting what, the scouting report. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he knew that there was green dragons, white dragons, and Evanor, the black dragon. So you knew some of the resistances that you needed. Yeah. Uh, in the in the so I made potions sure, for at least those three. Types of and so I made so I made sure everybody had those, right. and then it was just I think fire and uh, acid, Sonic. fire and Sonic. That's what it was. Sonic. Fire and Sonic. Um, a couple people didn't have some of those, but right. And so right. then, yeah, yeah. So then, even after you got done creating the potions, something else happened that really involved your character, and it was one of those moments that it's like. You you present a dilemma to a character and you watch them respond and I think this was a big like this was a big defining moment for your character because I saw it in your face as a player where it was just like I tell you what's happening and your face just like your jaw opened and you're like you would do that to me right now so, so what, <laughs> yeah. what what that's what exactly happened? what it was yeah. like Chris so, so what happened exactly with Ernie and so so yeah and we we'd kind of uh, um, recently acquired the scry spell and the teleport spell um, and so I I decided that uh, um, in addition to, to in order to um, complement some of Dale's scouting which at this point was a couple days dated mm-hmm. um, yeah. I decided to do some more direct scouting, see if we could learn what how the battle that Dale had seen had finally turned out, right. um, what the layout was, because he was basically scouting during a kind of a pre-battle battle that was yep. happening at our hometown. Um, and, and so, uh, um, so, so I decided to do some scouting with Scry, and so I decided to scry my family members um, because I knew they were there. Which you at this point didn't know if they were alive. Yeah, that's or true. Dead like, because exactly. of the whole battle. That and happened. so it was just I, I, I chose I chose my dad, and I just kind of hoped he was still. What alive. if your dad like got away and was like completely fine in another city, and you scried him like while he was in the shower? Would that been a weird moment to play. Well, it would secretly your family had moved. <laughs> I, I just think like like before you said scried him in the shower. Like I was like I was Rob's like, yeah, just that, like that how's your dad been... doing? It's like I don't really know what to talk about. It's like, <laughs> He's fine, but please don't ever ask me. <laughs> but, well, before you said the in the shower part, I was just like, man, that would be like like on the one hand, I'd be like, well, that was a waste of a spell. I didn't learn anything from that. But at the same time, I'd be like my dad is alive. This is great. I'm actually, so I'm so relieved. Actually bring right this now. up that we like joked around that like. Um, we were you were gonna scry your dad and see him like with the bad dragons because we, we had this like funny yeah. like oh, yeah. he is actually because he's because he's a, a diabolist like yeah. I'm like Ernie, Ernie and his dad are diabolists and uh, he's already been arrested once exactly so. <laughs> and, 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 and exactly well we didn't have to break him out we actually used the law like after we went yeah, and saved the town right. and saved another yeah. town then we came back and we're like dude my dad is innocent he didn't do this you did yeah. the things required to free your father exactly yeah. and then of course it turns out that he's actually in with the dragons, the bad dragons. No, he's not. He's that's not. not. That's not the thing. That's true. Just but, funny uh, to talk about. Yeah. So you anyway, scry in. He wasn't in the shower. Dad. He was not with the dragons. Okay. <laughs> Anytime you scry in the future, I'm going to make awkward situations. <laughs> Why are they always on the toilet? <laughs> people got people to gotta go, man. <laughs> so uh, we scry my dad, and uh, or I scry my dad, and I see that um, he's in a line. Um, I can see my mom around him. And it, I, I realize I'm actually kind of able to commu- communicate with him via like the message spell. Mm-hmm. So I talk to him. I go, and he's like, "Son, like," um, and but I can see that they're going towards like this. It's like a pillar this, of fire. Yeah, this pillar of, of fire, this line, and, you and see out the other side of the into it. And do I see what's coming out the yeah, other you side? Do or, see yeah, yeah. Yep. And the the 
the dragon spawner coming out the other side. So, yeah. I mean, I can see that this is the the item that they've been using to create these dragon spawn, it's like a manufacturing and that they're turning our, our townspeople into these mm-hmm. dragon spawn. Yeah, and that my parents are in this line and they're about to be turned into dragon spawn. They're like, and this is the moment like that maybe I was just, five minutes away from yeah. being turned into these. And this spawn. is the moment that I was like, wow. Well, this <laughs> you're a bad man. You're a day away marching. Yes, but There's you're an no, instant away. Which, teleporting. Which I'm not Teleport, even sure if yeah. you were really thinking about that when you showed it to me. Because it took me a while after you said it before I even thought, like, I can teleport here. Like, I was like, okay, so I'm just going to sit here and scry for ten minutes and watch my dad die. Awesome. Like, that's just great. No, I, um, I kind of thought, like, I'll give him a moment out of game time to process what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, after, but after, after a minute or two of thinking... I, uh... Caleb said, no. <laughs> no, this will not be his end. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make sure... I'm going to save my dad. Um, but I could only cast Teleport once. Um, Karab could cast it. I knew again. He could cast it actually a little bit higher level than me. No, not as high level as I could. But anyway, he could cast it. So, um, we teleport in, grab my mom and my dad. We can't grab anyone else. But we... I, I let off a couple of fireballs because the battle's not till the next day. I got spells to burn. <laughs> burn. <laughs> so I let off a few fireballs um, just to sow a little bit of chaos, and then we teleport out of there. <laughs> and then, and so I saved my dad and mom's life. That was a uh, very emotional. And it was in that thing. moment where it was like I saw that it like it like transcended just like what you were thinking in character mode because I got you as a player, Caleb, to be emotionally invested in something. And it was like this moment in time where it was just like your face just dropped, and I was like, "Yes, I got him." <laughs> I know he's going to do something crazy about it. And it was awesome, the fact that you did that. Uh, because it's one of those things that, like, dilemmas create within people the need to fix that problem. And yep. you could have either been like, I don't know what I'm going to do in this moment. Like, especially if you had used teleport for some reason before in that day. It's like, just sit uh, there. Like, there's nothing I can do yeah, right there's now. There's literally nothing you can do. And so in that moment, it would have been like, well, do I watch them die? Like, do I have the quote-unquote satisfaction of that? Um, or do I do something about it and you ended up doing something about it? That was absolutely awesome. I, I commend you for that. That was super cool. Now, before we go further, Chris, as the DM, just did you present this with any sort of idea that what was going to happen could even happen? Because I kind of, like, if I was in your position, I probably would have known that he could teleport, but been like, he probably didn't take two teleports to the day kind of thing. Yeah, no. I would have probably presented it with the idea of like, yeah, I'm giving him a tragic moment, but with no idea I, that it was going to have a, like, he's going to turn this around on me. I didn't think um, that he would have more than one teleportation spell created. Because I wouldn't think that he would need it for any other reason. Than Which that. he didn't. Which he <laughs> still happened right. that I had to. Right. But that wasn't in my thought process. Like, oh. I want to create this moment for Caleb where it's like, Oh crap! Like my family is right there. I can see that something tragic is going to happen. This is how bad the evil. Doers this is how are. bad the evil doers are, are, and you're getting to see the evil happen. And so you were seeing people that you knew, like falling yeah. through that the whole because that's the city that you're from for like 15 years. Yep. But yeah, I didn't think for a minute that you were going to be able to pull Jump that in. off. Yeah, I didn't think. Which, I didn't think that. I mean, you could have jumped in. You would have died. Yeah. Uh, or you would have been turned into dragon spawn. But because you had that quick thinking of like, oh, that's right. Karab has a teleportation spell. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I did. I did. Hi. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really cool, seeing that tag team uh, duo. Because you guys had done that before, like where you guys... Didn't you do that before with the teleportation Something spell? like that. I don't remember why, but we did... Like we did. 
Wasn't it just to, like, teleport us to where we needed to go? Well, that was me. Like, I teleported us where we needed to go. But there was, I think, feel like there was some earlier situation where we at least discussed the possibility of doing that. Because I knew I you, was, I knew you had teleport. I think it was when you were figuring out when you were on the ships how you were going to teleport everybody back. I think that's what it was once you got back to the mainland. <clears throat> yeah. So you guys, I mean, that was a cool moment for you because you got to save your family, and there was this moment when you got back of like, you didn't know if you were ever going to see your family again. Yeah. And you you have your family right in front of you. Something that was seemed out of reach for you at one moment and now it's so real they're right here in front of you it's like you kind of just i think if i remember right you just kind of took the rest of the night yeah to be with your family exactly yeah i definitely um, did yeah. and i think oh one other thing that we talked about we talked about if your family knew what happened to martin's yeah. family yep. because they were also yeah that time. and that was and that was actually kind of like an aspect of the bittersweetness that i had already kind of kind of even like as i was rescuing my parents i was like this is like like this is going to be great However, like, I'm still going to get back. I'm going to realize that, like, there were all these people I knew that I couldn't save and Mm -hmm. that I'm pretty sure they're basically going to die right now. And your friend Martin, Casey, you're playing Martin. You have uh, Ernie come back with his parents, hugging them. Nice emotional moment, except you're sitting, you're standing there watching this happen and you have no idea if you're... Your parents are dragon spawn already. Yep. If they're being thrown into the fire right then, if they mm-hmm. died from the attack. Yeah, I just had this moment like, okay, your parents are here. That's really awesome. Do you know what happened to my parents? Are they still alive? Yeah, and I'm pretty what sure happened? you asked Ernie's dad yeah, that yeah. question. And he said, we're on the council together. I tried to find him yeah. right away, but their house was already ransacked. And so you had no idea what happened yeah. to your family. So pretty much I'm just sitting here like, what happened to my family? I don't know if my dad's alive, my mom's alive. Mm-hmm. So they're either, yeah, they're out. either dead, both of them. One of them's dead, the other one's alive. Or they're already dragon spawn, and now you're going to have to fight against them, but you won't know which one is which yep. when you're fighting against the dragon spawn, because they're just they all look dragons the same. that all look the same, maybe a little bit different from physical characteristics, but they look yep. very, very similar. You're not going to recognize your parents right, in them. Right, <laughs> uh, And so, yeah, you have that tender moment with your family where you guys are just chilling out, having a good time. You are left for the whole night, like, probably didn't get much sleep, like, what the heck happened to my family? And, and then, and then I, was, I had to give a very emotional speech the next morning because that was thrust upon me <laughs> as the phoenix. Oh, yeah, I had right. to come up with my own that's speech. Right. I'm sitting here like, Oh, I'm terrible at giving speeches anyways. I don't know what to say. Mitch is over here saying, Call them fearless warriors. I'm like, <laughs> so I threw that in there. And I'm like, I don't really know what to say. Yeah. Just threw a couple things together and said, Let's go. Huzzah, let's go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you give this like this rousing speech that like everybody's rallied behind you. They're ready to go. They got like an eight hour march ahead of them before they get to the city. And so you guys march, and you march, and you march, and everybody has their directions, thanks to Runin and his amazingness at being a general of this ragtag group of people from all different walks of life. Yep. So some people are going to the east part of the city, some people are marching straight in, some people are going to the west, and you guys... I don't remember exactly where you okay, guys went. Okay, hold on. He was still a troll. Because <laughs> there was because still a thing that happened. Did anybody else notice that he kind of set himself up in the position that was least likely to die? He's like, he set I'll take the back the door. And, <laughs> and we're like, I hope the dragon's a pit attack. <laughs> and he oh, yeah, almost he had did. this idea of like, he, we were all confused. We thought we were defending the city. 
And then like we, he does this whole plan, and then Chris is like, "No, no we're, we're actually attacking we're going the city." To the city. Is what yeah. we're and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Uh, and so he tries to. Once you guys get there, you see like dragon spawn up on some of the ruined like stonework buildings and wood burning. Wood, like you see buildings that are on fire, walking, and you see like inns and restaurants and businesses that you recognize. And so it's just this mass chaotic, and you don't know which dragon spawn is somebody that was your friend or some other random person that's from around the world that they've turned into dragon spawn already. So it's just this big chaotic event that you guys have unfolding in front of you. And then it all starts. And you guys, thankfully, you had a lot of resistances because you guys were getting peppered from all different directions, from dragons so that are many. flying in. Yep. You have like a white dragon that lands by you guys. Uh, you see, like at one point in time, you see Dale take off from the middle of the city to fly after a black dragon. Like there's fights going on in the air between dragons. I think, if I remember right, was it one of you? Did one of you guys get downed, or did that was me? Yeah, you. <laughs> Of get course, again. it was you. You always get down. Well, yeah. you got down towards the towards the end. It was like right towards right. the end. Like I was running towards you, Caleb. Yeah. Like the dragon, like turned towards me because Tyler was just running away like a coward, and he just like the dragon <laughs> looks at me. He's like, "All right, well, I'll go for you." And like, yeah, just <laughs> you, you were pretty much the only person left yeah, at that point because we had were, teleported away yeah, or you were dimension doored or whatever. Yeah. You were doing something really cool, and then I was like running away, and all of a sudden the dragon was like, <laughs> and I'm like. And I just fall down. I'm yeah. like, all right, Sorry. well, yet again, I fall down. Yep. yep. The Phoenix, That's what happens so. when you're a ranger and have really low... Everything. Everything. There's really nothing I can uh, do. Yeah. So, <laughs> Caleb, you guys did something. You and Karab, once again, used teleportation. I don't have a choice. Your advantage. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. So you you had happened. some warning, but not that's really a lot warning. of choice. And then I was like, well, you did what? <laughs> well, so, Our first fr- of all... We're all in a severe... Danger being attacked by I think two big dragons. One big dragon of, right there, and a lot, and then of, a lot of small ones. ones. And there's yeah. one that's flying around, hitting us as they come down. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and you see something. We roll. I think Chris said roll spot check. Well, first of all, we got We got to set the stage a little bit more because you are enormous. At this I point. am huge. Um, I, I, I cast I am in the, the huge hand, yeah. size like, of D anD. You you enlarged yourself, taking yourself to large. And then I, I, I beefed what myself was it called? with what was, tons what is that of spells. Called now? Righteous Might, I think is that what it's called? Anyway, it took you up another size category. Yeah. So you're huge, and all these different buffs on you. Um, I'm bigger than the dragons that we're fighting. Exactly. Well, at least, at least that dragon. You know, the yeah. dragon that you're like, Not you're the one that we're about to talk yeah. about. But the ones that were there. And um, yeah, you had... Like, Chris like said it earlier that it was, Oh, good that you made those potions. And it was, because like... I was getting hit by all these dragon spells and physical, like, I, I had stone skin on and I took, like, no physical damage, which made me mad because I wanted stone skin to do something. <laughs> and I just keep getting hit by these fire spells, whatever spells, yep. but because of the buffs that you gave me, it was, like, nothing that I was taking. Yep. It was, which was good because if mm-hmm. I didn't have those buffs, there's no way we would have survived this battle. Yeah, right. Right. It was supposed to be. It was, I mean, it was set up that if you guys wouldn't have thought the way that you guys did, it was going to be very, very hard. Yep. Uh, for you guys to come out on top in this battle. So basically, so anyway, we have this huge battle going. Like you're basically one v ing this dragon, yep. where we're kind of putting some pepper shots on it and trying yeah, to keep the bigger, the smaller ones off of you. You're still like beefing me up a little bit with certain spells at certain times, yep. healing, and then we've got yeah the two ranged fighters in the back. Like okay, you guys stay in the back. I'll keep fighting. So that was our plan. And it was working pretty good. And you're getting pretty low on health, and so I'm like preparing like to the next turn probably to heal you. 
And then I see off in the distance, um, in the sky, I see Dale falling with a black dragon kind of having him in his grips, grip or whatever. Like, he looks like he's in an awful shape. Like, he's just been ripped to shreds. Mm-hmm. And he's falling. And I'm like, oh, crap. Because he's been fighting There's, other dragons. Yeah, there, like, not just the black There are dragon. multiple, There's, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, there are multiple dragons. As far as I know, there are multiple dragons still flying around at this point. Mm-hmm. And our greatest hope and our greatest, like, banner for morale yeah. is falling from this guy doesn't look like he's gonna survive like he looks like he's completely just at the mercy of this black dragon which i uh, i presume at this point to be evanor um and it was like crap we're screwed i have to do something and i i'm like i got this giant enormous thing next to me that's (laughs) that's fighting a dragon and i got (laughs) a couple of buddies over here that are just barely fending off the little guys but the only thing I can think to do is to take is the dimension door with with uh, Korab onto the back of this dragon that's trying to crush Dale, and so we do. <laughs> I mean, some, an ingenious idea, right? Yeah, like, like, like it's I don't it's, even remember. It's the smartest idea you could possibly do: teleport onto the back of a dragon. Whoa! I don't even remember. <laughs> We're what? stroking Caleb's ego now. I don't remember I what you said to me. <laughs> but you basically were. You basically just said like, trust me. Put yeah. your hand on my leg or something. <laughs> Whoa, <there. laughs> no, because I think the dragon went to like move or something like that, and he and you were gonna follow him, and he's like, yeah. no, don't follow. Oh yeah, because I can fly me. too. Yeah. yeah, so I'm like about to take off and like follow this dragon. Yeah. He's like, hold on, hold so on. Just wait a he puts his hand on like my foot, and he's cast <laughs> the spell. That's all I can read. <laughs> yeah, he cast this spell. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm on, we're both on the back of this black dragon, yep. going down in flames, but, literally with but <laughs> Dale. He leaves. Yeah, that's Caleb true. leaves. Right Caleb <laughs> leaves me. Like, and I'm, I'm now. Caleb had this, like, oh no, what do I do? Here's an idea, and he makes this decision, which is like, okay, well done. But in doing that, you put me in the worst possible <laughs> thing. I put everybody. I, every single person was hurt, was harmed by what I did. We were doing these fine. two got left with okay. a dragon and a bunch of tiny dragons. Yeah, the two range guys are now being chased by a. A yep. large dragon, literally. And you all guys dragon spawn, and I'm like, do I fly back to him, like to help them, or do I help Dale who's falling? Caleb has just popped me here and left me. Like, <laughs> what do I do in that moment? Rudin's like, well, see you later, guys. And yeah. just, <laughs> he, he just books it. Yeah, Tyler's character. He just leaves. <laughs> he just which, leaves. Which, Martin. Is, which yeah. honestly, like. You can't really blame them. Yeah, yeah, Their situation was pretty hopeless. And that's why I was so conflicted and, like, do I... Which is also why I left you once I got got you there. Like, as a player and a PC, I did not know what to do. Because as a PC, sure, Dale, he's cool and whatever. But, like, you guys were the reason I was on this quest as Mm Krob. Because Krob was your guys' friend. So I'm like, does Krob care that, like, yes, okay, Ernie has this greater understanding of what's going on with Dale, um, has met Dale since the beginning, Dale kind of set him on this quest. Karab doesn't have that, so does Karab just go, forget Dale, I don't care that much about Dale. <laughs> like, sure, it sucks, but he's already going down, like, whatever, and go back to save his two friends. So I was very conflicted. I ended up sticking with the with Dale and trying to, I think I did, I think I pinned Ebenor's wings, right? Yeah, like you, yeah. I rolled some ridiculous, amazing. Well, she dropped checks. him, and you started to go back up. Yeah, with her. 
And, then and you like you're like looking at the grapple, and you're like, oh no way! And like, it's but at the same time, like you have a great rolls, grapple now too, but you're not huge. as good as like a yeah. ancient was it or an well, old, very old? I uh, I read the grapple wrong. I'll just say that. Into that. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to have a plus forty two grapple, and I was only doing plus twenty two. So it happened how it happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. It happened no, how it, it happened. Yeah. No, uh, I realized that like three quarters of the way through, I was like, dang it. <laughs> oh well <laughs> it ended a lot cooler this way yeah right and yeah. so like I, I grapple the dragon's wings and I bring it to the ground and I stuck with it and then me and him me and her basically just 1v1 decided to 1v1 and fight well, well he kind of um, just flew over it, like, yeah, well, like grabs me the, and then like you're, you're at, at this point like you've fallen yeah, you've got three three little dragons around you mm-hmm. I think but I don't remember exactly how it works I think they leave off. right they, 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 they leave before I get there like yeah. they leave before I get there but I heal you yep. and then I start flying the two of us back because we don't know where the heck Dale went down yeah and we don't know where the heck Runin ran off to but I just grab you and I start flying you flying back the other way he's still got two dragon spawn chasing him because he's still up, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's just yep. ducking through alleyways. Yeah, but uh, by but where I just dimension doored us to and then teleported back from is like quite a ways away, and so it it takes us a few turns to fly there. So pretty much for the entire time that you're one that that uh, Karab is one v oneing this Evanor, uh, we're basically just flying back to him. <laughs> so yeah, right, so yeah, so you you end up finishing off. This dragon, like you, I mean, you well, do all your. Not really. I mean, I, I got like a, I was doing well, and then as the DM, you, uh, I'm bringing this dragon down. I don't know how far down it is. Mm-hmm. All I know, as I am also a dungeon master, I know that by the size of this thing, if you're going off of real D and D stats, unless Dale did a tremendous amount of damage, which. From judging what happened, I think Dale did about half damage yeah. to this thing. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, there is probably uh, this is probably where Karab dies. But I gave him my best, and I kept attacking, and I did pretty well. And eventually, I'm like, I might be able to take this thing yeah. out if Dale did a mm-hmm. pretty good amount of damage to it. Yep. And then you ticked me off so much. Because I'm like, this is it. This is Karab's moment. I don't even remember what I did. And you, you make this dragon start flying away. Oh, yeah, because she's... And oh, I yeah, know I petrified. can't keep up with this, mm-hmm. like, with my flight. So I try to grapple it, and, of course, now I fail. And it starts flying away, and I'm just <laughs> sitting there. that's when I realized that I did grapple wrong the whole time. <laughs> I'm just sitting there, like, just mad, because I'm like... This is this was my moment. She's this like fleeing it. for her life yeah. at this point. And so I'm just like in my like last chance, like ditch effort. Like there's no like there's no way. It's got too much health. I I fireball. I've got four fireballs. I'm just like fireball. It can reach four hundred feet. I've got like three turns before it's totally gone. Fireball, roll damage. Great. Low low roll, twenty six damage. It keeps flying. Yeah, of course it does DM. <laughs> <laughs> Next round, fireball. 23 damage. It keeps flying. Yeah, I get it, DM. I'm not going to kill it. Last roll, fireball. I'm adding it up. You're like, the dragon falls. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and I don't, like, you weren't just, it just happened that way. That it just so happened. Thank goodness for the range on fireball. I was able to take it down. And so I, uh, I took, I see this dragon fall out of the sky. I start flying towards it. Um, and as I'm flying towards it, I, Something else happened before mm-hmm. I basically in the battle. 
Yep. And so this comes to the point where you come. Yeah, like we uh, get there like just pretty, pretty much as you're leaving. I think maybe just before yeah, you, you guys leave. You see like, me taking the, yeah, the, the last the dragon, fireball flying or off, shooting fireballs and flying off. Yeah. And then and then we get there and we just have like Dale not moving on the ground. Like he's just this basically dead looking dragon. Um and uh and yeah, and so we like we go. He's I'm, like heavily breathing at this point in time. Yeah, like he's like laboring for breath. But we also see, I and mean, we we see this thing in his is in, in, in his hand, kind of clutched like this, just yeah. laying out. In but front we, of him. I think we see we see what's there too. Like yeah, he's like holding it, but you see this like gem inside yeah. his hand. And um, you're not sure what it is. We even tried to heal Dale, but Dale was kind of like. No, don't heal. It me. was like it was well. Well, there was kind of a chron- the chronology is getting a little bit sideways now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we flew down. The, we flew down there, and we had we had seen some, some some glimpse of this like earlier in this battle because I remember like this was the moment I all of a sudden realized what this was that he was no, holding. What he did but I had was, seen it before, like in this in this battle. You saw it when you came in with your parents because what he did is he did something, and then all of a sudden a flame came up from that gem. That was what you saw, that flame that sprouted yeah. from the end of the gem. You recognized that from the time where they were sending dragon or people through to create more dragons yeah. on. And he tells you to go through it's, it. It's your time. You need to go through this. You need to carry on my work, essentially is what he's saying. And I'm and like, so, can I heal you first? <laughs> and, and essentially as, like, you could have, but as a DM, yeah. I was like, no, no. Like, it's not going to work. For, for sake of story, this is how it's going to end. And so you walk through. Yep. And he says, uh, he basically says, reach for the fire within. Uh, you'll know when it's your time because you'll reach for the fire within. And he, he, uh, the fire closes back down into the gem. You see the fire within the gem start to glow and shimmer again with inside the gem. And he places it in your hand. And at that moment, you feel this connection, like almost like this bond that forms between you and the gem that was put inside your hand, which he explains to you is the dragon's fire. Like, this is the thing that created dragons. And so he, he like, you kind of deduce that if it's in the hands of somebody that's evil, it doesn't quite work all the way. It has to be for, like, the pure of heart to step through. Uh, but so he entrusted you. He said, like, go and rebuild the dragon's race. So you, as Ernie, are now... Responsible, responsible for the for the creation of a race that protects the world. Right. And so you, he, awesome. said, he said reach for the fire within and so you reach for the fire within and out comes poof, Ernie's dragon. Like this black and red looking dragon is the thing and that spawns. For all the things that make this a frustrating experience, it's A, just I'm obviously cool being turned into a dragon, but B, you made it a red and black dragon. Like that's awesome. Yeah. It's red and black. Because it's like what Ernie is, is like, red and black. <laughs> but also, it's red and black. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just red and black. Like are the colors red and black. <laughs> I despise, I love the colors red and black. Which I had no idea that you tell. loved them that much. I was just like, Ernie's red and black. I'm going to paint it red and black. It makes sense. It's, it made sense, but it was also perfect. <laughs> so, yes. So you now have been entrusted with restarting, basically, the race of the dragons. Like, yes. The battle is kind of winding down at this point in time. Karab gets over to the black dragon. I land and I think, I, I don't know if I said anything or I just went up and, or if Ebenor said anything, but it basically ended with me just stabbing it through 
Well, she 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 realized at some point that she didn't have the dragon's fire because yeah, she because she, oh, yeah. she kind of freaked out for a minute because yeah. she but thought she's she had it on the ground and she's freaking out that she doesn't have the dragon's fire anymore. She can't find it anywhere. She doesn't know what happened to it. And so you you guys have some words. You guys mix some words. I don't remember exactly what you guys said, but you eventually end up like running her through. Did you have like a flaming sword or anything like that at that point in time, or was it just your? Average run. Or you had your I, ice sword. Right? I was flaming. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> I w- we joked around that I was like Goku because yeah, I yeah. had a blue fire shield around yeah. me. Super and, Saiyan guy. Yeah. Super Saiyan. <laughs> and I'm flying around and all that stuff. But yeah, I just, I take my sword and I just ram it into her chest and like twist it and like pull it out. And I just, I just uh, and then I think I chopped her head off. I was like, just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like mad that it almost got away that I was just like, I'm gonna run it yeah. through and make sure it's dead. Yeah. And I think I took her head or something like that. I yeah, believe, I think as, you, like a trophy. I, yeah, I think you did. And think, and might yeah. have like th- flew back and thrown it in front of Dale before yeah. his last breath or something. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you did something like that, and you guys like went and like the rest of the people like ended up defeating the rest of the dragons that were there and stuff too. Like. But when you ran her through with the sword, something else happened to all the dragon spawn. Do you guys remember what happened with that? Yeah, they all they all turned back into the the dragon spawn turned back into people, mm-hmm. even the dead ones. Even yeah. the dead ones, which made so it a very now, dark ending. And so now note. it's like this joyous moment, like you guys just saved the entire world of Panthea from a possible takeover of dragons and dragon spawn. And in this moment, you see people from your city scattered around both living and dead and so martin this was a very hard moment for you because what happened to your character um eventually like like you said we start seeing people the dragon spawn turning back into people so my first instinct is okay the battle's over where are my parents i don't know if they're alive or if they're dead so i'm looking around i'm looking back at my house i'm looking all over town I find my dad, but my mother is dead. Yeah, you see that she's been, like, she's essentially been, like, run through with a sword multiple times. Uh, and she's laying there on the street, and there's nothing you can do with her. Like, life has gone from her. You see this, like, with a lot of your friends that you grew up with. Like, you see uh, some, I mean, you see a whole... Squirrel kin race. It's kind of an inside <laughs> joke for for us here, uh, but you see the squirrel kin like all dead in the middle of the city, and you just see like friends that you guys grew up with, like just I mean, you see council members that were like fathers to you. You see like women that were like second mothers to you guys, just scattered around the city. And so it's this moment where it's like this joy is flooding through the streets because the dragon spawn are finally defeated. The dragons are finally defeated, and then real like everybody realizes how terrible this all was for this city because your friends some of them are dead some of them are alive and so that's kind of where we ended and when we moved into the epilogue portion of the night and so casey explain a little bit about what happened with the epilogue you were what were well what happened with you you were elected to some position yeah well first we were kind of i think we just decided well i decided and like as a group, we decided to start rebuilding Riveran because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's mine and Caleb's character's hometown, so we're going to want this thing to get back up and running. And for some reason, I was elected mayor. <laughs> I was like, okay, I mean, I'm the Phoenix. I have to leave once a year to go to some party up in the north, but um, I'm going to be 
mayor for a while, I guess. I don't know how long the Phoenix lives. Well, or... the Phoenix, I mean, your your responsibilities were said, like, finish out until, like, everybody you, yeah. you know and have cared about has passed on, and then come back and assume your mm-hmm. position as the Phoenix. Yeah, that was kind of my instructions from Pinion. Pinion, yeah. Pinion, yeah. yeah. And I guess, yeah, that's what I did. We built, rebuilt Riveran. I built Temple to Pinion and Decord. And we we had a brewery there, another brewery. For of course, you had like an offshoot Bumble Bottom, of the Bumble Bottom yeah. Bed Brewery of course, in the city of Riverine. We're not going to yeah. not. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's kind of our little baby. Um, and then I was, yeah, I was mayor. I don't know for how long. I don't think we really... It's like 30 years or 30 something years. like that. And then yeah. my parent, my dad dies. And then I assume my position as Phoenix. And I guess that's when you told us there's like four different kind of like prophet there's, type thing. No, there's or, there's four like in the pantheon there's four gods that kind of were responsible for the creation of the world and they kind of are like the highest of the high gods. Uh and there's the elements basically. Yeah, they're the earth, elements. Air, yeah, wind, earth, fire. wind, air and fire. They created different portions of the world. Um the rumor is around them that they are the world, like the land is Erdbaben, like he is like the land is the god. Um so yeah, you there are different places around the country there's like multiple different phoenixes around the country uh and so you went back to the city that you became the phoenix in and you resided there for x amount of years we didn't really talk about how long your guy was there how long he survived but you know like people are there for hundreds if not possibly thousands of years Mm -hmm. in that role so that's what martin ended up doing uh karab what ended up or uh ernie what ended up happening with him because he's now got this moment where it's like what do I do? Yeah. So now he's basically... Well, first of all, Ernie and Diabolus is in general, but especially Ernie, very much valuing like freedom, traveling, would not in any sort of way want to get tied down to a single spot and feel like he had to stay there. But now he's a dragon with all the responsibility of creating and leading this race to protect and guide the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he's completely bound, and also dragons are pretty much immortal, and they can be killed, but they're not going to die of natural causes, really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's basically bound for eternity indefinitely to perform this particular task, this probably the very broad, widely varied sort of task, but definitely not something that's going to allow him to do kind of whatever he wants to do in this sort of free-spirited way that a Diabolus would want to do. And so so that's kind of like this really frustrating thing for, for Ernie. And it was kind of frustrating for me as a player. Like, it was really, like, it was this weird sort of conflicted thing. Because on this one hand, I got turned into a dragon. And, and, it's a red and black <laughs> dragon. Let it not be forgotten. So, so, like, there's that sort of awesome factor thing happening. But then there's also, my character is significantly less thrilled about this than I am. Mm-hmm. Like, my, like, I, honestly, like, this is a very conflicted thing for the character. Like, he all of a sudden has these responsibilities that completely go against what his inclinations are. Yeah, right. Um, and it's not like these are temporary responsibilities. Like, his entire life, which is going to go for pretty much forever is going to be bound up in this task that is 
diametrically opposed to what he's actually interested in. Um, so, so yeah, so there's that whole thing. And so that's basically what he does is he kind of begins going about rebuilding that race. And he starts with, with his party that it's, that he's been traveling with for a while. And he kind of offers that opportunity to all of them. Because Dale said the people have to be found worthy in order to go through it. Like there's standards that you need to meet in order to become a dragon. And so I, I didn't ask Runin. Runin was the only person in the group that actually wanted to be a dragon. Um, but I couldn't ask Runin. I didn't know him very well. And what I did know of him was super sketchy. Like not, not some. You, you were turned into a troll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have that power. Oh, I, I can turn people into dragons. That's what I got. So, but I offered it to everyone except for Runin, and everyone else turned me down. He, uh, uh, Martin had the Phoenix thing going on, and Karab was interested in pursuing the Bumblebottom Bed and Brewery, and also was Just no more interested in being tied Didn't down to anything than, than Ernie yeah. would have been. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of how that went. And so he like after he stayed and helped take care of the the town, rebuild his hometown. Um, he went on about kind of finding worthy people to um, to rebuild the race and to um, protect and defend the world and promote peace and prosperity for all and mm-hmm. all that other gobbledygook. Yeah, right. And so Karab, you what did what did you end up doing? Caleb kind of said a little bit of what you did. Yeah, Karab but... went. To, Karab just helped his friends rebuild the city. He went back to the bed and uh, bubble bottom bed and brewery because Walrus Burgers. Yep. Um, <laughs> said. Yeah. said. Uh, he joined in many adventures with uh, the Temple of Cord and fighting alongside his fellow Cord uh, followers. And he, uh, I remember that we ended with you know oh he would have died in some battle mm-hmm. and that would have been the way he would have wanted to go because I think you ended up like Runin went on to become like he worked his way up through the military did you go back and fight with him is that how you ended up dying I think or? I think I basically said to all three of them like come to me if you need yeah. aid in any kind of battle and so I probably fought with them in some not so important like this quests I think the moment that stands out for me that happened with Karab was the uh, there was Martin like as the Phoenix like I feel like he kept on and I think this is something we should we'll talk about later on a little bit more but he had this responsibility that uh, a lot of like responsibilities going on here and Martin kept on it just wasn't what he felt like he wanted to do this responsibility so he kept on trying to prolong his like not going and fulfilling that role as long as he could and I think Karab eventually you and uh, Karab, Martin and Karab, in their older age, had like a sit down, and Karab was basically just like, "You need to, you need to go and do what you're supposed to do. Like you've, you've been, you know, trying to avoid it as long as you can, but it's mm-hmm. it's time. You, there's something more to your life than hanging around the Bumble Bottom Bed and Brewery, getting some nice, you know, ale and going on a couple little adventures. You have." somewhere better to be Mm -hmm. um and i i just imagine karab just uh, like after that talk if martin like kind of was like yeah like i just imagine karab losing touch with all the other guys because ernie's definitely got bigger fish to fry and so and i think that was like my my moment that i like sticks out just recognizing and having that like real friend-to-friend conversation, sit down, like, you have better stuff. I love having you around, but this is not where you're supposed to be. You essentially were saying goodbye to the last remaining person that you still had touch with 
from that group. I was basically saying you're fired, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Riverend. I'm, t- I'm taking your money and you're your business, over, it's I'm, all mine. Yeah. You're <laughs> overqualified for this position. And then you flip your Donald Trump comb over back and say, no, you're fired. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, that's that's what stuck out to me, but he would have died in some some glorious some battle. battle like, I, yeah, I don't know yeah. How, how glorious of a big thing it would have been, but he would have died giving it his all, probably older in life. I imagine him, like, if anybody's ever seen Vikings, the show, there's this, like, really old Viking that, like, every battle he comes out of, he's just like, dang it, I didn't die again. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> such a good fighter, but he wanted to join his yeah. brothers in Valhalla. So I imagine mm-hmm. Karab kind of just being like, Gah! still not dead, <laughs> and eventually being just like, yes, and he's got like a, he's got like five swords through his chest, he's like, Yes. Uh, but really, like he the, tripped on a rock on the way down a yeah. hill and snapped his neck. It's like that guy from the 300 that's, that's, that's like, I've, I've fought in many battles all over the world. And I've never found that one person that can offer me a beautiful death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. And so that's kind of where everybody ended up uh, at the end of this campaign. Like we have Karab who kind of just loses touch with everybody but has that one moment with Martin that he's like hey this is your responsibility go and do it Ernie's now like he's got this responsibility that he's not quite sure if he wants but he know he ha- he knows he has to do uh, Runin becomes this great general who leads the armies of Mulgaria like in anything that needs to be done he works his way up through the ranks to do that and you have Martin who became the phoenix like lived out the rest of his days Still don't know how I got that position. But. Yeah, still don't know how. That's one thing I will never reveal, how you got that position. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how... You can't do that. You can't just never reveal something. Eventually, you have to reveal it. Eventually. Eventually. Maybe I'll reveal <laughs> like, it. Never makes it so like, well, why should we care then? <laughs> like, eventually, maybe. <laughs> you, have to, you have to eventually reveal it. I mean, you All can right. tell me. I don't have to tell them. Yeah. Maybe you can have this one sit-down conversation with me when we're like 80. Like, dude. Oh, my gosh. You have man to up, tell have us. this responsibility. Tell us. After this moment, <laughs> I've decided I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> like, this is just a jerk. This is just a jerk. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, as we, as we finish up this campaign, like this being the last time we might talk about this, other than a few things maybe in passing that come up, uh, what, what things stuck out to you or what questions do you guys have uh, that you – are maybe looking for a little bit more answers on. Besides, you know, why Martin became the Phoenix. Yeah, besides Which that. apparently we're never going to I have that written down out. to, like, try and get that from Chris, but obviously it's not. <laughs> I, I want to know most of all, because, like, doing that whole thing, I was down, like, four or five times, and Karab comes out, he's like, this guy's worthless over here. He did nothing towards the You're end. You're not worthless. Um, all right, yeah, so I have a question from a DM perspective, and I really like this whole, like, Chris, you like you, Martin, or you, Casey, as Martin, were given this responsibility as the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Not something that you know why. Not something that you asked for. Uh, not something that you knew what it was going to entail. Uh, same thing with you, Caleb. For Ernie, uh, Ernie had was like in this moment, like Dale's dying. He's like, "Can I heal you?" Like DM's like, "Nope, it's past that point." And you get handed this gem become this dragon, get handed this responsibility, not something you asked for, not something you envisioned your character doing. Uh, and I would also say with both of your, like, player-wise and character-wise, it was like, this is not the future that I envisioned for this. And for character-wise, I think both of your characters were like, this is not the future that I wanted. 
And so, like, you had, like, this huge responsibility placed onto your, um, onto your characters. And so, like, we were just saying, like, you know, some players could take that and just go, DM, this is stupid. Like, you're made, like, like, I mean, we, we hear about it from people who write in, like, SDMs all the time, like, players who are going, you're railroading me. And this is not something that you actually had to go on quests for. This is, like, how your characters end up doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, I could hear players, like, in my mind, like, if this happened to them, being like, this is stupid, DM. I want my character to be done and ended the way that I want it. So, like, what, how, how, like, do you guys deal with that? Like, was it a good experience? Was it a, like, like, I, it was, I think, at points, a frustrating experience. But does that mean it was a bad experience? Like, how do you, as players, handle a character having a future now that isn't, and I think both having of Having some elements that are still what you wanted yeah. and having some elements that definitely were not what you wanted. And, like, Karab was going to die at a normal age. Now both of them are going to be, especially older. Martin, is going to last for thousands of years. Right. So how do you guys deal with that? How did you deal with that? Um, for me, as a player, I kind of, like, during the whole Phoenix thing, I was like, oh, this would be really cool. I kind of want to know what the Phoenix is all about. It seemed like a cool idea to me. So I, I kept bugging Chris, like, what's this all about? What's the Phoenix type thing? I'm really curious to see who turns out being the Phoenix. Just so happened it was me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, as a player, this is kind of cool. I'm the Phoenix. I kind of want to know more about what the phoenix does does he have cool powers like i'm given this flaming cloak tyler wanted to know if i was on fire if i could set people <laughs> on fire it's the man on fire <laughs> so as a player i thought it was really cool just like wondering what this was as martin he kind of took it as okay I've always wanted to kind of help people, be a people person, but then, like, I get this title as Phoenix, and everyone's like, oh, I'll do everything for you. I think Karab got drunk at a bar, and was like, I'll take him up, and then was like, no, 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 we got it, and just rush him off to bed. I'm just like, okay, this is really weird to me as a character, and just, it kind of throws Martin off balance, like... I wanted to help people, but instead everyone's doing everything for me. Instead. But you still kind of have the ability to help people because you're right. giving direction in the future mm -hmm. for what Pinion is saying to the yeah. world. I think it was just like the immediacy of like all this fame and whatnot in this city, specifically this city. It's like, oh, this is really new to Martin and kind of uncomfortable at times, so... It, as a player, I liked it, but as my character, he obviously he had to get used to it because he was kind of forced into that position for whoever knows what reason, but that's just kind of my perspective on it. So yeah, Ernie, well, and we can talk about what Ernie's reaction is, but like for me, I, I, I wasn't that, that bothered by it. Um, I didn't have any particular long-term aspirations for this character. It's not like... I do remember, though, sitting next to you when this happened, and you saying a couple times, 
I, I don't think Ernie would want this responsibility. Exactly. He's more like exactly wants like wants to go and do whatever he feels yeah. like, kind of thing. Like and, free. And spirit. if this hadn't if this, if this hadn't happened, I imagine he would have spent a good deal of time, kind of helping you manage the Bumble Bottom Bread, yeah. and, bread and Brewery and making the the um, the Walrus Burgers and finding more exotic things for that <laughs> and going on adventures to find that and. Maybe even just not being seen for a couple years at a time because he's just kind of off wandering and just seeing things. Um, but it's not like I, as a player, was particularly invested in that outcome. I hadn't really thought about it a whole lot. Um, but I knew, like, when this came up, that this was not something that my character would be especially interested in. Um, but I wasn't, as a player, really, like... Dead set on any certain thing happening that I was then disappointed that it wasn't going to happen, and even like with the fact that my character wouldn't want this, like that wasn't terribly upsetting to me. Like the only thing I can think of to compare it to was the end of your campaign, where Groundhoof was then settled with his company and with it with his with his tribe and everything, and then all of a sudden, nope, God says we're going to Celestian says we're going to go off into the world and die, and then all not only that when I like where I was all of a sudden comfortable with the the tribe, but like not only that, but then the the tribe basically like hates me when I do that. Like that was something that like I was actually a little bit upset about as a player. I was like, this is such a great ending for Growlithe to just be in this village. He's made this great armor. Like that was actually upsetting to me. This was more like, well, that sucks for for Ernie. But I don't like that's not a big deal to me because I didn't have any particular other thing. Like there wasn't some some idea that I had invested myself. Some grandiose plan. Yeah, there wasn't something that I was like, well, this is just a really great ending for Ernie to be right here or to be in some to be in this trajectory. Like there wasn't any of that. I knew that like where he like where he all of a sudden ended up with with being the. But being a dragon and having all that responsibility was definitely not what I would have chosen or what he would have chosen. But it also, like I said, there was it wasn't against something I had chosen, so it wasn't like it bothered me as a player. So, I feel like it's an interesting end to a campaign for the characters, though, because it's not like a like the epilogue was almost like sad. Yeah. Especially for you two. Yeah. Like, because... Coming off like of I, this great victory, like this yeah. very monumentous moment for the world. Yeah. Now having to And then the people with, that like, worked for the entire time to, to make that happen, the dragon's dead, two of the guys are now kind of suckered into tasks that they have very little interested in, mm-hmm. in very little interest in. But Karab made it out all right. Karab got to do pretty much what he, he wanted. He did, but I also imagine, like, until, like, his, <laughs> yeah, yeah, died in battle kind of thing, like... He also, like, I, Chris, you didn't ever explain, like, was Martin, how did Martin age? Like, he's going to last for thousands of years. He doesn't age very much. So, like, I, now that makes me think of that discussion with him sitting down with, like, in his old age, like, white hair, white beard, like, older, still fit, but old, like, sitting down with a Martin that looks, has not changed at all. I don't know if Ernie's kind of the same way. Ernie would be the same way. So, like, I just imagine, I imagine there, there's a sad element of, for him and the fact that his losing touch with friends that were like his closest friends, mm-hmm. but then I imagine like even that even makes that ending for you two I feel like even sadder because yes you Ernie saved your parents and yes you Martin found your dad 
But that means that They're you're literally now. watching everybody else get mm-hmm. older as you guys are staying the same age and watching them all die. This is not new to, like, fiction. Like, there's yeah. things, like, Talk in fiction everlasting. Where, yeah, yeah, people, right, like, right. do this. But it's still, like, it's something that, I mean, as normal people, we we can't grasp, the, you know, we can grasp, like, losing the sadness of losing people before their time. But and that not happening aging, forever. Yeah, not yeah. aging and, like, every single, watching everybody pass away. That, yeah. like... No matter what, how much older you are than that. It's like, like, everybody dies and disappoints you, but eventually you get to die and disappoint everyone else, and then it's mm-hmm. done. But no, 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 not not anymore. Not for Martin and Ernie. Like, <laughs> there's just people that are going to keep on dying and disappointing you, and that's just going to go on forever. Awesome. And I imagine that we, <laughs> like, you know, we like to do cameos in our campaigns. Chris, this will, I mean, this will be your first chance to do this cameo thing, yeah. um, since we just finished your first campaign. But, like, obviously, I feel like Ernie and Martin are huge, like, potentials for cameos to show up and still be around, like, because they're going to yeah. last for a long yep. time. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see if down the line, if in Chris's interpretation, whether he says, hey, what do you guys think about this? Or if he just interprets it, like, to see if those two characters lose touch with humanity in the sense of, like... They're doing things more aloofly. Yeah, it's just like we've lost touch with our, like, well, people die all the time. Like, your lifetime is a blink of the eye as far as I'm concerned. It'll be interesting to see where they end up. Yeah, I think it's also that thing, like, how close would Martin and Ernie actually get with certain people? Because I'm sure through the first few generations, generations yeah. they got close to people and then they die. They feel that grief and eventually they're just like... I don't want to do I this anymore. Yeah, I don't want to go through this grief anymore. Well, because that one city that you were a part of, like that where you're going to mm-hmm. hang out now as the Phoenix, they're like... Oh, we haven't even seen the Phoenix in like sixty years. Like it's yeah. been, it's been forever since he's been here last time. And mm-hmm. so it's like, will Martin turn into that? Well, you're yeah. gonna, you guys are gonna see. Like, I imagine like if Krob or whatever your friends like ever got like married, had kids, like you literally wouldn't just see them pass away, but you see like families pass yeah. away. You see the Bumble Bottom Brewery pass away. Like things that you, things that you found recognizable. Like it's just like the entire all, world all changes, disappear, and they mm-hmm. they're gone. You see cities pass away, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like tragic endings. <laughs> I'm always a fan of tragedy. I Yeah, that's why I was like, man, there's this huge momentous moment where it's like, this is the best thing that's ever happened for the world. In a very tragic way, where the world is now saved. And I was like, I wonder... I, I struggled with this for a long time of being like, do I push to see how far I can push like tragedy with these guys? Or do I let them have that happy momentous moment? And I decided to go after the tragedy because I was like, it seems to work fairly well balancing tragedy and happiness at the same time at the end of a campaign so yeah i don't think the hero's path should be a right a easy path like if you truly are trying to like walk a a good road and do good difficult choices yeah difficult Mm -hmm. choices and possibly difficult like not a very happy life sometimes so that's the epilogue. That's the last episode in the epilogue. We are now closing the chapter on the Dragon Wars campaign and moving into the next campaign that we'll be doing, and we'll hear more story times about it. So I hope that you've enjoyed the story times you've heard from the land of Panthea about the dragons, about Dale, about all of our motley crew of people that have come together. Uh, and with that, we're going to head into DMnastics with DM Neil. Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm Andrew Bleeker, a.k.a. Friar Took. And I'm DM Neal, a.k.a. Joke Maniac. 
I guess we could explain a little bit more who our guest is. Friar Took from the forums, who is a staple of the forums, I will say, and wanted to have him on because the DMnastics is meant specifically to work out our minds. And in a previous DMnastics, we mentioned Friar Took's aversion. I don't know if it would be aversion. You could correct me if I'm wrong. To having an established pantheon in his world. So it's a little bit of an aversion. Yeah. yeah. So what better DMnastics to have him stretch the muscles, if you will, than DMnastics number 23, Pantheon Builder. And that's tied back to episode 40, Divine Spotlight, and the, for Coralon, Kesliv, and Quam. And then there was no guest for that episode. So this uh, DMnastics, it was DMnastics number 23, called the Pantheon Builder. I believe uh, it was Never that started this one. Mm-hmm. The setup is he kind of gave us five guidelines to go by. We're supposed to come up with a name. An alignment, a power level, which would be superior, greater, intermediate, lesser, or demi-god. The domains of this god, and then to give some details of that god. And the details were kind of a little bit, you were supposed to flesh out some of the you know more interesting aspects of the god, and also consider the relationships that god has to other gods in the pantheon. It was pretty cool, you know, reading back through it, it was interesting to see how people played off each other as well. You know, a couple of people came up with gods, and then a couple more people came up with gods, and linked their gods to the other gods. So all of a sudden, in this thing, we're building a whole pantheon of interlinked gods. Yeah, that was definitely, for me, for me watching it, that was one of the coolest parts by far, people going back in. I want to say some of the posts had three, four different edits as other people were posting gods. They would go back into theirs and tie them back together. We're not going to talk about those just because it would end up getting confusing because you wouldn't know the gods that we're talking about because they all tie back <laughs> and there's like a, a dozen or more of them, but... For the first one we wanted to talk about, it was from Rorik. You'll know Rorik from the last DMnastics where Morgan Jenkinson and I start our own podcast about his labyrinth. <laughs> the, his god was named Yithalin, the Lord of Silence and Shadow. For the alignment, he picked Chaotic, and he did an interesting thing where he kind of set the god on a scale of Chaotic. From 0 to 10, he put a 4, and Evil, 0 to 10, he put a 5. The power level was Intermediate, the... Domains were stealth, darkness, and death. So then some of the details he gave is that he's conniving and sudden. Supports quick thinking and cunning, but especially stealth. He mocks clumsiness and openness. He is a lovely god, as the evil gods know well of his trickery. Many of them have been used by him in his tricks. And the loneliness suits him. So the symbols include a crow, shadow, and closed lips, which I think could be super interesting trying to think of that holy symbol. The clerics can bless weapons to inflict extra damage in total darkness, which that leads me to like such an interesting concept that kind of twists the idea of a cleric on its head, almost this roguelike cleric or maybe like a multi-class one. So super interesting god. It's an interesting take on that too, because when I think of a roguish cleric, I think of the trickery domain. Mm. And this god is not of the trickery domain. He's more of the assassin roguish cleric. Yeah. Which is interesting. For the next one, I'll pass it back over to Friar Took. Sure. The next god was uh, submitted by Whipstash. This god's name is Lao Yu. Uh, his alignment is true neutral. Not his, I'm sorry. Lao Yu's alignment is true neutral. And uh, this god is very much a true neutral god. The power level is greater. And the domains were interesting because pretty much none of them are the traditional D&D domains. Domains are balance, seasons, tides, change, and internal struggle. So however you interpret that mechanically into D&D domains, it's kind of open to interpretation, which I think is cool, especially yeah. for a true neutral god. Lao Yu's followers have a chant 
that they sing as they go into cities. Uh, the chant is, I am you, you are me, we are all ourselves. I'm assuming he changed the last word to avoid copyright infringement on the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I found this God really interesting too. He says uh, that Lao Yu is neither male nor female. Lao Yu was always referred to by name. I keep wanting to say he, it's not a he. Lao Yu was always referred to by Lao Yu's name. The symbols are the yin yang, as well as a triangle inside a square, inside a circle. I just found this God really interesting because Lao Yu really is a neutral God. There's a lot in here about how the other gods don't really understand or trust Lao Yu's motives. They kind of are confused. A lot of his inherents kind of do what other people view as seemingly random behaviors, but that Lao Yu can be a powerful ally if you're up against somebody much more powerful than you because Lao Yu is all about balance. I also wanted to call out Whipstash here because uh, Neil and I are both in a play-by-post game on Gamers Plane hosted by Almarian Knight, and Whipstash is in that game as well. Whipstash is playing a gnomish monk named Zawin, and I've got a little quote here from Zawin. This was one of his posts. All paths lead to the same conclusions. All roads meet at the same end. Zawin smiles so wide that his eyes begin to disappear behind his rising cheeks. No one can quite tell if he's mocking the situation or if he's sincerely happy. I will take whichever path is laid before me. For it's not the path itself that matters, but one's own sense of direction. I think we figured out who, you, yeah, who your god might be there. Yeah, and it seems like everything Zawin says is of that bent, and it always leaves me scratching my head, and I kind of love it. Yep. And I think the the interesting thing to me, you know, like you said, there's the there's the balance, there's the true neutrality, there's these other domains that don't necessarily fit your like typical domains in D and D. But the thing that's really interesting is the power level because it's greater which leads me to believe that you know Lao Yu truly knows what he needs to do next to keep neutrality to keep that balance and it'd be such a weird thing because you like kind of want to go with him because you know it's for the old like for balance but at the same time you're like, I don't get it I really just don't get what you're trying to do there buddy larger motives and that's kind of, uh, you know, when it comes to pantheons in general, I always tend to, and D&D campaigns, I always tend to veer into those sort of gray areas of motive and alignment. So I enjoy that. That got a lot. So for the next one we wanted to highlight, it's from Almarian Knight, and I will pronounce it as Vodahill. I would have said Vodahill. Uh, well, well, okay, we'll go with Vodahill. <laughs> I'm cool with D&D one. And the alignment is not applicable. Yeah, alignment is not applicable because this god is a weird one. His power level is superior and the domains are nothing, which you can either take that as a domain in and of itself or assume there are no domains. I found this god a fascinating concept. Basically, the as I understand it, this god is in this pantheon. All the gods existed together in a void. That void was Yoda Hill. And before the gods created the universe, they existed within Yoda Hill. And then they created the universe and all the planes of existence and sort of shut Yoda Hill out of that. And then Yoda Hill started to encroach on all that. And the gods didn't want their creation destroyed because Yoda Hill is the void. He is nothingness and locked him away in a vacuum, basically like vacuum sealed him away. It's almost like the sort of physics concept of creating plasma in a vacuum. You know, this dangerous substance is in a vacuum and it keeps it safe. And I just found that really fascinating. The idea that it's, it's almost you know, a lot of creation myths have the sort of chaos or void that, you know, whatever god or gods exists in, and then out of that chaos and void, the god or gods creates something. Well, this is a personification of that chaos and void. Yeah, and the, the other thing was that the there's no followers, no temples, no special items, no symbol, and some feel that they can distinctly hear the voice, 
but still it's just just true like this true nothingness which i mean in and of itself is a very difficult concept to try and wrap your head around just complete and utter nothingness and of course the i mean on some level it makes me think of a never-ending story what is the nothing it's the emptiness that's left and then the 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 crazy thing that was just taking taking over the world and that's what you want to prevent from this god that literally was the nothing okay that's what i thought but i didn't want to say it and then be wrong the internet no, no that's right it was, it was the nothing uh, another interesting aspect to this guy is the herald the herald is kind of that voice you were referencing is actually the voice of the herald of yoda hill that's and right. the herald's got his own backstory he's was actually once human and is now this sort of twisted not really a servant of yoda hill but a sort of somebody who's just been kind of linked in with yoda hill i also you know reading this i have to say you know we're in a campaign being run by almerian knight right now and i looked at this and i was thinking about some of the stuff going on in that campaign and kind of going hmm did i just read a spoiler without meaning to <sighs> oh don't you worry i scoured the entire forums for everything that almarian knight has ever written about about his world <laughs> so that i can know more well, well now you know almarian knight that's what i've done so the last thing i wanted to mention about yoda hill is uh something that i found kind of interesting is that he was trapped away in this capsule for a long time and the gods sort of assumed he was safe and in this vacuum capsule but due to two other gods this is one of those links that were called out that we were talking about earlier these two twin gods ren and yak who are these kind of mischievous lightning twins went and discovered this vacuum seal and sort of you know shot some lightning at it and screwed it up and now there's a crack in that seal and yoda hill is slowly breaking through that seal and coming into the world i thought that was a great tie-in but you know we don't want to that's another uh Ren and Yak were another creation by Rorik, and we don't want to give him a swelled head and you know keep talking about all of his awesome creations. So we're going to let you folks go to the forums and read that one. Definitely. So for this last one, we will try and stretch some muscles out right here on the Diamnastics, and we're going to create a god right now for the Pantheon. And I used the ever-changing book of names that Lou Anders mentioned in the previous episodes. It's amazing. So there's that. The name that we came up with using some African languages as a base was Zamu Logo. Now we have to decide. Alignment. I'm going to definitely let you take alignment because I'm always going to veer neutral. <laughs> okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think of what we presented. So we got a chaotic evil. We got a true neutral. And we had nothing. <laughs> so I will go with i'll go with a classic chaotic good then perfect now remind me what was this name again something logo gamu zamu z zamu logo yep z-a-m-u-l-o-g-o all right what do you think the power level of zamu logo is Hmm. i'm gonna say he's of uh let's put zamu logo in the intermediate category because we've got a couple of pretty superior and greater gods here, but we don't have any of the sort of intermediate or lesser beings. I like I like that. I was thinking the lower end and then the lower end and a more hands-on approach with people Absolutely. Of, of the world. Domains. So I'm immediately, just because of the nature of the name, I'm immediately thinking of Zamu logo makes me think of both nature and sort of symbols and order. So I was thinking knowledge and nature. Okay. And then with that, because the what I had just mentioned was kind of like the being down with the people, and then with na- you said nature and knowledge, nature and knowledge. Then I will add travel, and kind of going off whip stashes and going a little off the beaten path when it comes to domains. I will also say pathways, like he's like the, 
Like he's the one established, like he goes through and establishes like a route from one town to the next. It just kind of, you could catch him on the roads and he's just establishing essentially pathways for essentially the shared knowledge, if we want to look at it that way. Absolutely. I like it. That that can tie in, you know, Zamu Logo's followers could be, you know, druids and rangers and people like that who are known for traveling long distances and, you know, holy places could be things like if you find a sort of animal path in the woods that leads you to somewhere safe. You know, something like that. Those could be considered sort of sacred items or sacred locations or something interesting to find in that way. Yeah. Finding a pathway of a Zamu logo leads to knowledge. If right. you, yeah, like you find that path that's been forged by a single ranger or a single druid and you're able to follow it. Who knows what's at the end? Right. So let's see. Do we want to forge any connections to these other gods? Probably not, huh? No. I think you might have a strong connection to Yoda Hill, right? That'd be No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Best friends. Ooh, symbol. Any thoughts on the symbol of Zamu logo? Uh, yeah, I would say a, a black circle bisected by a white squiggly line, sort of representing a path through dark places. Mm, I like it. Similar, maybe similar looking to an eye, representing seeing, seeing through the darkness and seeing knowledge. Awesome. I was just going to say, I like the idea of his domains. I, I like the idea of it being, of knowledge and nature being tied together, this sort of notion of you know you're lost in the wilderness and you you know happen to cross a path and that path happens to lead you to somewhere safe and good or uh, somewhere interesting where you might gain some knowledge that maybe you want to know and maybe you don't you never know i like that so then the origins i could see the origins being that he was he or she unestablished i'm establishing that's a she what's up sounds good <laughs> Zamulogo sounds like a she, actually. Yeah, so she was placed there by either you know, a superior or a greater god to forge those paths in the world, to try and connect people. You're thinking about being there in the early days and you have these very insular communities and that Zamulogo was the one that helped forge connections between peoples of the world. I like that. Sort of the, uh, you know, roads would be sort of encapsulated under her domain as well. Uh, roads connecting places so that knowledge can travel from one place to another mm-hmm. and uh, people can thrive and live together. I like it. Sweet. Well, I think that's good. And I will get this onto the forum at some point. I don't make any promises as to when that is, but I definitely will. And I want to go ahead and implore the listeners to join up on the forums and take part in these challenges. And definitely, if this interests you, the three gods that we've already mentioned here, and then the Zamu logo that we just worked at, worked on together and made up, definitely check out the forums because those edits and those links back to those other gods are awesome to see. It's like it's a really fleshed out pantheon by the end of this Diamnastics. Yeah, and I'll just shout out in general. I've been a member of the forum since they were very early on. I think I joined on the first day or two. And if you're kind of somebody who doesn't enjoy going on forums, these are probably the friendliest, most helpful forums you'll find out there. I think there's been very few negative comments anywhere, and everybody's always willing to help and give you creative ideas and help you flesh things out. And it's just a really amazing community. It's made me really happy to be a part of it. Awesome. And to do that, you just head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics. So your players don't ask, do you even lift? I gotta get a pump. That's it. It's good. It hurts. I know it does. That's it. Get it. Well, that's all we have for you today on the Dungeon Master's Block. We hope that you have enjoyed this awesome episode of uh, extended story time of the last time we got to play in the Dragon Wars and how our characters were able to wrap up their stories. A lot of 
really interesting uh, character ends, I would say. Mm-hmm. Just, just that I really just love, and I know I said it in the episode itself, but I really just do love that responsibility just being given to somebody almost in an unwilling way and having to take that as a character and yeah. how do I deal with this responsibility. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was really fun to add in and, and to hear from, because I wasn't sure as a DM how that was going to work out. Like, I was like, I don't know how my players are going to respond to this, but to see and hear just the inner conflict that went in, not only the players, but also in the characters yeah. was, was really interesting. Yeah, so. I definitely understand that. I feel like we, I used to be um, a little bit hesitant to do story aspects like that of like forcing certain aspects onto players and i think that's just shown how much our our dynamic of our players has changed both in the sense of like we've had some people who have stepped out yeah that maybe they just i think they just wanted what they wanted from what they right. got at the table it what they weren't there for a team story building uh which is absolutely what you and me strive to oh, do totally um, yeah. but then also we've definitely seen growth in the players we've had to the point where like that's something like just being like you're a dragon now and it was it was not like something that they wanted wanted like it wasn't something they were looking for but uh caleb even you know saying like this is something i totally respect and find this to be a really interesting end to my character and i love that our players have kind of grown with us as because like he said storytellers and and realize that and we've said it before like railroading always gets such a bad rep and there is something to that, but sometimes railroading can yeah. be good because I, I don't like that term, railroading. I just don't like it because uh, to me, railroading as a term just uh, has these connotations that the DM, everything they want, they get. Like, right. And they don't care about the players, but I think that there is something to a DM telling a story and dropping in aspects that it's like, this is how this story concludes. So. Yeah. And... He's a red and black dragon, like you said, <laughs> over, so and over and over and over again. So, so excited about those colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all we have uh, for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block. Chris, if they would like to write into us and tell us about an epilogue story that they had, or maybe they've got, uh, they're coming down to the, the end of their campaign and they would like to do an epilogue story and maybe bounce some ideas off of us, or just write to us about anything in general, where can they get in touch with us at? Yeah, you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Send us all of your emails. We'll get back to them as uh, quickly as we can. And you can also go over to iTunes, if you wouldn't mind, and leave us a five-star review that lets people know, hey, these guys are actually good and (laughs) are helpful. Uh, So head over there and give us a five-star review. You'll get a shout-out on a future episode. You can also find us on Stitcher and, you know, Podcast Addict and all of these different things on Android phones as well. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMs block on Twitter. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places have fantastic memes and updates about the show. Just all that great kind of stuff. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout-out is... Drew! That's Just it. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Drew. No last name or no surname or anything. Just, Just Drew. Drew. Just yep. plain Drew. Yep. <laughs> So thank you for that, Drew. Uh, Drew is a dreaded silver dragon. So thank you, Drew, for all of your support. We hope that you are on our forums and giving us tons and tons and tons of feedback. So thanks for all you do. Thanks for your support, Drew. Well, with that, 
that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing all of the characters, and lowering all of the egos of all of the players at the table. Have a good night, everyone. Keep on dunking. Goodbye.